with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, everyone. It is Echo Wiley here with the Monday morning wake-up call version of After 9. I'm with Phyllis Warren. Hey. As well as Alan Wishart. Well, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, as you know, my... Our main basis of thought here on Monday is conservation of species, trees, animals, everything that we can think of that needs to survive. And we have on the line with us a lovely lady who does a lot of hard work towards that end with Conservation North. Her name is Jen Matthews. Hi, Jen. Hello. Thanks for having me this morning. Hey, no worries. Thanks for being on. Um, I, You are our pinch hitter today because uh, Michelle Connolly, who who is uh, one of the main folks to do with this, was stuck in Cache Creek. There's a rock slide in the canyon, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver is totally cut off from the rest of the province, and I'm sure there'll be lots of conversations following all of these slides about the effect of climate change and deforestation's effect on how water flows through um, mountains after all of this is said and done. Absolutely. It is a huge issue, and we're getting the gist of all the problems to do with it right now, and we just want to keep people a little bit ahead of the curve. So what's been going on with you guys is that you are um, looking for full legal protection of the remaining primary forests and the inland boreal forest and rainforest. Um, now, loggers have just gone absolutely crazy, and there's just been something brought out by the government and a few really, really hardworking scientists that have mapped all of the primary forests and uh, second-growth forests so that it's not just the industry that's telling us this. Can you give us a little bit of an idea about that? Yeah, there was a panel of scientists um, who spent the last year doing mapping for the provincial government. And um, what's really great about the mapping is it's all publicly available. So there's a map on the uh, BC government website. And if you're a GIS person, you can download all the layers and make your own maps and check out your own area. So that's something that um, we're, like, really happy with because previously it's hard to know what the government knows and what they don't know. So we really appreciate that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And this was an independent science panel that was set up to determine mapping and where the most at-risk old-growth forests were, and because they have been disproportionately logged, have they not? And uh, and this seems to have given some solution to that, where the government's actually put restrictions. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, what they did is the mappers. Um the scientists looked at uh, three categories of um, old growth. They looked at big trees, ancient old growth, and rare old growth. And they um, took uh, aspects of those forests and then put them in the 2.6 million hectares of forests to be deferred. So that included all of the remaining ancient forest, which is only 0.4 million hectares, and all of the rare forest, which is only 0.5 million hectares, and um, it included 1.7 of the 4.1 for the big trees. Um, So that's where the 2.6 million hectares that the government's deferring comes from. And uh, those are the parts of those forests that are not protected in parks currently. 
Right, right. Well, they're stating that there's only 18% of our primary forest that remains intact. So in comparison to, I mean, people look outside and go, well, there's a lot of trees out there. And there is, but the uh, trees are actually being cut down three times faster than they can regrow. Is that That's pretty much correct, is it not? Well, the, like, the first thing you said is so important that we're talking about pr- intact primary forests. So if you look at Conservation North Scene Red Map, it's really obvious to see the impacts on the landscape. That map shows all the forests that have been industrialized in our province. Um, so everything from like road building to um, mining to forestry, all of the industrializations. And there just really is very, very little primary forest, which is the forests that haven't been industrialized left in our province and scientists and ecologists all know that it's the primary forests that um, provide the safe haven for biodiversity and uh, the inland and boreal rainforest is a unique special place it's been called a lichen forest a snow forest the caribou forest it's a really special unique place in our global planet and it just it cannot ecologically survive if we don't stop logging primary forest period so we're not even talking about this two-year deferral of old growth which is just a little pause for people to for the government to sort of connect with first nations and industry and see how they want to move forward it's not protection we're talking about preserving primary forests so that we don't have an ecological collapse. That, that's right. We, we actually would like to have them stop logging old growth forests immediately and then look at it, right? Not just take what they've done in the last little while because they basically have been doing this kind of thing for the last two years, just kind of looking at it. And is that correct? Yeah, so I mean, you know, if, uh, some of these areas that are on the deferral map, um, some of them were probably logged this summer, and, you know, people hold current permits for those areas, and the government is talking about using their Section 13 to um, to pause those loggings, but again, it's just a pause, and if we're talking about biodiversity, we really got to focus on primary forest, and that benefits the logging industry also, because if we... If we continue to, like like Rachel Holt, one of the scientists involved in the mapping, she said to the Globe and Mail that we only have five years of old growth left to harvest at the current rate in B.C. So the timber industry is sitting on the end of the cliff, and uh, the biodiversity is sitting on the edge of the cliff, and it's just a matter of both are going to go over together, right? And stopping logging primary forest would actually be good for both of them. Then our government can focus on transitioning the industry to secondary growth and um, make a fair plan for those workers because they deserve that. Absolutely, absolutely. We're uh, out of time for... uh for um, allowing this to continue, and it's it's a wholesale effort. It's not like guys out there with chainsaws anymore creating hundreds of jobs. We're talking about eight man crews on you know if if even that. Some of them are four and five. You're looking at two bunchers, a processor, a, you know a skitter operator or two, and it, it's quite a nightmare. It's not really that it's creating uh, jobs or actually making any uh, donations tax wise, other than the high tax rate on those loggers. I remember looking at a buddy of mine's check one time and geez, he paid more money in taxes than I did make the whole month. It was kind of depressing. And uh, that's not a lot of guys out there. That's just a few people and corporations that are making the profits and not giving it back to the tax base of the province. 
Yeah, I just think it's a perfect time to reimagine the way we want um, the timber industry to look in BC. And um, our government and communities can work together to be super creative and transition this economy to the second growth. And we don't have to continue things as they are right now. We can stop logging primary forests and, you know, you know, protect the remaining ecology and we can take care of workers. Like, those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think if we, like, if policymakers and lobbyists kind of embrace that, we could reimagine a really beautiful future for our province. Absolutely. Um, it's not like conservationists want to destroy our jobs. Uh, that's really not what, what we're after here. We just want people to understand that this is a, a dangerous, scary, scary thing that we're doing. And it's, it seems to be constant and never ending. Um, what's going to happen now? So with this, they have curtailed some of the logging, have they not, because of your maps and what's been going on or? Well, nothing has been, like, in action yet, so the government is promising this two-year pause just in these um, select areas, right? So not in all primary forests, just in these areas that they've mapped out. And um, that two-year pause won't come into effect until they have agreement from um, First Nations, and... um, and, and then they'll move forward with the pause. So what happens after that, I don't know, right? Like, then they still have to decide how they're going to, quote-unquote, manage these areas. So these areas will very likely um, be slated for logging in some way, shape, or form after those two years. And, I mean, from our perspective, we're just going to try and pay attention to these areas as much as possible and, you know, really make sure that they don't end up getting logged. Absolutely. So everybody can go to Conservation North's website. Um, I personally can just punch in Conservation North on my Google, and and it brings up all of your information, which is wonderful, very well put together, and it gives a really good idea what's going on. And another thing everybody can do is go to Google Earth. If you really want to get a picture of what's going on here, go to Google Earth and just look at the maps see all of the areas that are, have been stripped bare throughout the whole province to actually get a real picture of what's going on here. And as far as the old growth forests, they hold the genetics and the strength of our forests, do they not? Like if we're looking at reforestation, we need these to get our, our pine cones from and keep the strong tree ge- genetics and all those types of things, correct? Well, as we move forward, if protecting primary forests, protecting old-growth forests, these they're just little patches now, right, because we have annihilated so much of the landscape. But these patches become critical for that genetic diversity, right? And um, if there's any pro-forestation going on in those areas around it, we need that, those, those little safe havens of the biodiversity to continue that pro-forestation. And... Um, and they just become these like really special places. Absolutely, and we need to hold on to these even more because on top of logging it all, what they're doing then is they're flying over it and spraying glyphosate all over our forests, which cut out a lot of the um, biodiversity as it goes for animals, even on a more extreme. So the practices that they're doing, either at over-logging or the, uh, what they're doing for their tree farm licenses, can be really destructive to the province, hey? 
Yeah, and the most important thing to remember with that is that uh, when they log primary forests, what's replaced is never a forest. It's a plantation. And so glyphosate is part, one of the tools they use to maintain a plantation, not a forest. And so that's where these um, bits of primary forest become so important because they're surrounded by um, Dominic DeSala, a scientist who works on primary forests, called them Franken forests. They're not real forests, right? They're a crop. Yeah, yeah, which is very sad. I mean, there's a lot of places they could take and just, you know, basically farm rather than, you know, poison and destroy what we have already. It really does seem not very cool. You got anything to say about this, Phyllis? This is my winger here, Jen. I was just wondering, if we look around the Prince George area, how close and how many areas do we have of ancient growth forest? So Conservation North is working right now on doing that GIS analysis. Um, So we work closely with the mapper, and um, he's doing that for us. So I don't have the, like, actual numbers for you, but there are some. You can go on the map and kind of look at. um, They broke up each area into one hectare hectare little squares, and there's Mm -hmm. quite a few in the inland rainforest. Not a lot, because there's not a lot of primary forest left anyways. And then some... A uh, small amount distributed in the Amanika. Uh-huh. But yeah, we're we're still working on that data. Right, and and if we had um, uh, native bands working on this, um, to what extent would it be keepers of the forest, or would it be um, them helping us expand? You know, the keeping the trees and and the areas. Well, I don't. I don't feel comfortable speaking for like indigenous people and and what their visions of the future are. But for all people, it will benefit all of us if we protect primary forests, no matter if you're a settler or an indigenous person. Right. Right. Yeah. They. Uh, a succession of governments has fostered um, work programs within the indigenous communities, and a lot of their um, social structures and their future plans go with logging as well. I know up around the Mackenzie area, there's uh, a couple of the families up there that have really taken a lot of logs off the land, and they continue to do so. So it's it's all... Um it's it's all working towards a positive end, that's for sure. Yeah, and I guess, like, back to, like, we can reimagine a new future for our province that includes, like, if the government is um, providing subsidies for... Um, primary forest logging, those can switch to subsidies for retooling mills for secondary growth logging, and those can, you know, apply to um, settler corporations and indigenous logging companies, right? So the the government can foster this change, right? And then it doesn't necessarily put people between a rock and a hard place when they're trying to decide to protect or log a place. That's right. That's right. All right, uh, Jen, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and hopefully you can stick around. Could you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Far out. Okay. We're going to be back with a little bit more after nine and we'll be talking about second growth forest. 
Featuring the latest songs from artists in Canada and from around the world. Hosted by DJs from coast to coast to coast. 30 minutes of Canada's newest music downloaded exclusively from the Earshot's digital distribution system. For more information about the show, check out earshot-distro.ca. Listen up, Canada. This is your show on your station. Canada's Earshot Daily. Earshot Daily, weekday nights at 1125 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Advocate Life and Education Services Care for Women program is now Beyond the Bump. Beyond the Bump takes Advocate's Pregnancy Care Ministry to a whole new level, focusing on practical in-home support like cooking, cleaning, and community. Beyond the Bump is the village women need during pregnancy and beyond and is offered to the community at no cost thanks to the generous support of donors. For more information on the Beyond the Bump program, visit advocate.ca. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has a new online dementia education series. The online education offers small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the two-part workshop, Recognizing Your Journey as a Caregiver, the next two Tuesdays from 10 to 11.30. Registration and full details on these free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-933-6033. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of snow ending late this afternoon, then cloudy. Winds from the northwest at 30, gusting to 50 at a high of zero. Partly cloudy tonight, clearing overnight. Gusting northwest winds becoming light after midnight. A low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 13. Tuesday is sunny, wind up to 15K at a high of minus 2. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George. You're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we are talking about old growth forests with Conservation North with Jen Matthews. Thank you, Jen, for sticking around. Now, there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of tree planting growing going on for a long, long time. Uh, what have they got into? Uh, have any of these trees grown up to the point where we can actually start cutting them? I think that we could probably move to a second growth uh, logging system pretty quickly here. And it just depends on, it will depend on the government reimagining forestry and putting some funding in there. But there's lots of technology from Europe because they have very little old growth and primary forest left there. And um, they have lots of neat technology to make uh, beams and different kinds of plywood and stuff like that out of smaller trees. So it's just time that we start reimagining that. And it'll be a transition, right? It's not going to be like a light switch. Yeah, which seems odd to me. So I don't understand exactly why the hesitation or, I mean, when it's so obvious, I mean, really, why would they continue with our primary forests when we've been working towards this for so long? Has this not been a plan of the forestry? They just wanted to wholesale take everything they could, or how does that work? Well, if you look at, if you sort of follow the money and you look at where the money goes, um, big corporations like Canfor, they take, they've been taking the profits that they make off of logging our primary forests and they're reinvesting those profits into um, the United States and overseas, especially in the southern United States where you can have a turnover in a tree farm plantation quite quickly. Um, so that's where the profits are going, right? The profits are not going uh, to our communities or to um, sustaining the industry here. So I think that's part of the problem, right? From, yeah. from a corporate standpoint, it doesn't matter if 
tim- if the timber industry falls off the cliff here because they're taking those profits and reinvesting them into a different industry somewhere else, right? Yes, and I think that that's what we really need to examine when we get into the you know nitty gritty meat and bones of this type of thing is that. It's just not happening for us. It just seems to be huge, huge companies that take the profits and a few loggers. Yeah, and that's why it's super important to everybody who um, volunteers with Conservation North that we um, we really care about the transition of the timber industry. We don't want the timber industry to go off the cliff with biodiversity. We want to save both of them. And I think that's like, uh, honestly, I think most conservation groups, even if they aren't talking about it all the time, would agree with us there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so this pause plan, is it just going to be a way for big forestry companies to take some time and manipulate and, you know, suck in the government to go back to their ways? I mean, how how, how are we going to get out of this? Like, well, pe- people I, don't I'm quite understand. I'm to see how it goes from Conservation North's point of view. We're just going to watch these deferral areas and really make sure that they're not logged during this two-year pause and then just keep advocating that they turn into serious protections. But it is like the, the corporate um, lobby is a big wheel in this machine, and I don't know how that's going to turn out. And, of course, the government is only going to do what um, the First Nations give consent to also. So uh, it's a big mystery, and um, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yes, I saw on the uh, on Facebook that the First Nations, actually the Wet'suwin'en, have uh, put a get-off-our-land thing right out to uh, the pipeline that's going through there. They've given them official notice that they are to leave their land. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, there are um, many nations who are saying that they want uh, control over the forestry and the pipeline access to their land. So the Wet'suwet'en and the Kitsan and um, there are others, and I think we'll just have to uh, pay attention to what's going on. For sure, for sure. And I would like people to understand that the bands are doing this for us. I mean, we all live in our little worlds, and we don't really see what's going on so much in the forests. Uh, my whole life has been forest-oriented. I was raised in Victoria, and I spent my whole life playing around in the forests and understanding the realities of, of uh, needing to preserve these. And we've all just sat back and watched the manipulation of, of corporate giants and people taking all of this away from us. And as I said, it's hard for us to understand that this is really happening when we look around us and we see such wonderful stuff. So again, folks, I ask you to go to Google or Google Earth and check out what's going on here. Hey, Phyllis? Yeah. Yeah. It's about time that people got into um, standing up for things and, and yeah, that yeah, can't stand up for themselves. We obviously have a government who can't stand up for themselves and um, the will of the people means nothing to them anymore, really, if you listen to the language that they're speaking as they're uh, doling out what they're doling out to us. It's, it's a very, very tough situation. Jen, what do you, what's you guys' next plan? What's your future step? Are you going to try and promote to bring people into the fold to understand that this is happening? 
Well, we're going to do this uh, GIS analysis of our area, and and so we know exactly um, what areas we should pay attention to, and with, uh, with respect to the deferrals. And we're going to make sure that they don't get logged during this two-year pause. And we're going to keep advocating and pushing for complete protection of primary forests because that's if we're concerned about ecology and the biodiversity, that's what has to happen. We can't just protect big old trees. That's that's the truth. So, and now we've got all of these forest companies that are are the logging companies. They are complaining uh, in the articles that I've read about the work that you've done and how it's affecting, um, you know, the mapping that's not done by the for- the companies and stuff. I'm listening to them state the the foresters service or the association of foresters are all complaining that they are going to have to shut down mills and they're they're going to have to lay off jobs and and there are no trees for them to mill anymore but in the same breath i'd have to say they have actually taken all of our poplar and alder and deciduous trees in the areas that they've logged and sprayed poison on them, whereas you said we could retool mills and actually work with these trees. So in fact, they, so they can monoculture or farm trees, have in fact killed a lot of our diversified species uh, within the forests, and that means food sources for animals. So do you guys ever... I I had this idea about a month ago of uh you know teaming up with the SPCA and and uh as well as the stop the spray people and just taking a total attack and looking at what really is going on within the forests. Do you guys uh are you opened up to that? I mean everybody's in their own little fighting area kind of thing. It's kind of we've got the, they've got us fighting amongst each other almost in a way which is, you know, to their benefit. Well, Conservation North has a really good relationship with Stop the Spray, and we mutually support uh, each other's work, for sure. And um, and we, Conservation North just always tries to bring it back to this idea that you can't log primary forests and replace it with a forest, even if you let the alder and willow and birch and stuff regrow, which is very, very important and good for biodiversity. Um, if you're if you log a primary forest, it will never be a primary forest again. So, um, yeah, we are totally willing to work with anybody who wants to see the continuation of um, of protection. Awesome. Right on. Well, everybody, let's get it on with uh, joining everybody together and fighting for what forests we have less to keep our planet cool, happy, and healthy. And uh, Jen, can you stick around a bit more and have a bit more talk with us? Or Yeah, sure. Thanks. Awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more After 9. United Way of Northern BC has partnered with Coastal GasLink to provide funding to critical programming and services in 16 communities in the region. The Coastal GasLink Legacy of Giving Fund aims to remove barriers by providing funding to address local socioeconomic issues. Not-for-profit agencies have through December 20th to submit their completed applications. For more information on the Coastal GasLink Legacy Fund, visit unitedwaynbc.ca slash cgl dash lgf dash 2022 or call 250-561-1040. This year, 185 cleanups were hosted with over 4,300 volunteers joining in for the Great Canadian Shoreline Cleanup. 
OceanWise and WWF Canada staff, volunteers, and partner groups pitched in from coast to coast. Not living on the coast? Not to worry. Cleanups can be done on the shorelines of any river, lake, or waterway. Visit shorelinecleanup.org to discover how you can lead or join a cleanup on a local shoreline to be part of the solution. Get involved today. The successful aqua classes from OceanWise are back with brand new interactive curriculum-focused content for grades K to 12. The new live workshops guided by OceanWise experts focus on inquiry-based learning with an environmental and climate change focus. Students will be playing mini-games, leading their own discussion, and enjoying some surprises along the way. More information as well as registration links are available under education at aquablog.ca. It's the aqua classes you know and love online from OceanWise. To help save lives, the Canadian Red Cross has added training to identify and respond to opioid poisoning in all its first aid and CPR program. This modification represents the first of a series of Red Cross measures funded by Health Canada's Substance Use and Addictions Program to help reduce opioid-related deaths in Canada. To register for opioid poisoning response training delivered as part of Red Cross first aid and CPR programming, visit myrc.redcross.ca. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, hello, hello. We're talking with Jen Matthews from Conservation North, and uh, we got to get into the reality of what's been driving all of this. Well, when free trade came out in 1985, it just seemed to turn its back on the environment completely. And then when NAFTA loomed its ugly head in uh, 88, things got really bad, really bad for um, the environment, forest. And we got to realize that corporations in Canada have the um, standing of a human. They um, have more rights than human beings do. And maybe that's where we need to change our, our um, way of looking at how things are done, because wholesale annihilation of trees and and species just comes along with the wholesale annihilation of us it's it's all tied together hey yeah the, when we talk about biodiversity and um you know we're part of that right we are a species on this landscape so when we're talking about saving biodiversity we're also talking about saving ourselves and our own culture so when we think about corporations, it's just always important to remind ourselves that their legal obligation is to their shareholders. It's not to us. It's not to the forest. It's not to caribou or endemic interesting lichen species or anything like that, right? It's just about shareholder profits. That's all they're legally responsible for. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's a worldwide issue. It's not just British Columbia that we're dealing with here. It's it's all over the place. Um, it, I'm, I flabbergast me every day to think of it. Alan, what do you think about all this? I freaked him out. Well, yeah, for one thing, you didn't tell me you were going to be throwing me on the air like you this know, and well, under the bus. Be prepared. Why? <laughs> it's a Monday morning. There Echo. you go. There you go. I save my thinking for Tuesday and Wednesday when I host the show. Well, you know, it's you've always... have to think those two days. Yeah, you, you've always got a little bit of a different take on things than I do, that's for sure. So I just thought maybe you could throw something in here or ask a question you might be interested in. One thing that I don't think we've touched on, because I know we've interviewed um, both now Jennifer and Michelle before from Conservation North, I don't think, have we ever defined where Conservation North covers in terms of geographic area? 
the geographic area that we're interested in? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. We. Um, so we're really interested in primary forests across BC, but we focus all our attention on the inland and boreal rainforests, and specifically the northern part because that's where Prince George is situated. So the inland. Uh, and boreal rainforest runs through the, it's called the wet belt, which goes slightly north of Prince George and kind of follows along the Rocky Mountain Trench down, uh, just down into, slightly into the United States. So through, you know, past, past us, you know, Purden Lake, uh, the west side of Vailmont, down through Revelstoke and the Kootenays, and then just a little bit into the United States there. So that's the, area, the ecosystem that we are most interested in, and uh, that's because it's this rare, global, globally rare inland temperate rainforest, and it's just a precious, special place in terms of the global diversity of forests. So, Jennifer, the area you described, would I be very far off? I said it's almost shaped like a comma, starting north of Prince George and then swinging over to the east to the Rocky Mountain Trench and following down that way. So it doesn't cover, like, the southern interior and places like that. It is more of, like, a comma shape, as I say. Um, it's, it's more, I don't know, it's more like a, a backslash because <laughs> it follows the west side of the Rocky Mountain Trench. Okay. Yeah. And so all of the, you know, the, the weather systems d- often dump all of that snow and rain um, before they cross the Rockies, right? Before it crosses the Rockies. And then uh, the, the rainforest category comes from actually the snowpack and the way it can seep through the geology of um, these places. So it's, some people call it a snow forest rather than a rainforest. But it's globally unique. You know, there are only a, a, a few, like two or three inland temperate rainforests, so temperate rainforests that are away from the coast. They're very globally rare, and um, ours is super special because we have endemic species that don't exist anywhere else, especially really cool lichens. Excellent. That's uh, that's huge and very, very important. Um, where are some of the other forests that are likened to this in the world? Oh, that is something I'm not 100% sure on. I think that there's one in Russia, and I can't remember. I think there's one, uh, another one, too, but that's not uh, something I know about. Right on, right on. No worries. You seem to be, you, you not seem to be, you are very well um, informed on a lot of things. So one thing I'm curious about is... Um, so if uh, they're putting this pause on, when will it take place from, from the uh, information, from the mapping that the scientists have brought to the, to the government now? Um, how are we going to know when this happens? And you would mentioned an article in the Globe and Mail and, and things like that. How, how, how open is the public to this at this point? Well, the government has told us that their process will be first to get consent or um, interest from the First Nations to see what they want. And they're giving um, First Nations 30 days to respond. However, I also heard um, in a meeting that I was in that they recognize that, um, that that might not be reasonable and they might need more time to respond. So nothing will totally get deferred until that happens, except for BC Timber Sales is not advertising new cutting permits on their website. 
uh, everything else. So they're going to wait to hear back from First Nations. And then after that, they're going to, if the nation agrees to the deferral, they're going to ask the tenure holders to not cut if they have a current cutting permit. And if they uh, insist on cutting, then the government says that they're going to use Section 13, which um, allows them to revoke the cutting permit. Good. Well, here's to hoping that they're brats and they get cut off. That's all I can say. (laughs) But I doubt that'll happen. I'm sure they're going to be minding their P's and Q's for a while, hey? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Well, it's time for another break. Um, Would you come back for another 10 minutes with us, Jen? Sure. Wonderful. Okay, we'll be back in 10 more uh, minutes on After 9, talking about conservation of our forests. The Heart Pioneer Centre is currently closed for dine-in lunch, but they are serving up takeout meals Monday through Friday. Call the centre at 250-962-6712 between 9 and 1 to order your next day's meal. You can also leave your order on the answering machine during off hours. Pick up this month's menu at the centre. For just $8, you get a great freshly cooked meal with super salad. The Heart Pioneer Centre, open for takeout meals Monday through Friday. The Canadian Urban Transit Research and Innovation Consortium is hosting its second annual Smart Rail Technology Conference November 30th. Join the conversation about reshaping the future of rail in Canada as we learn about global hydrail applications, light rail transit deployment challenges, and how we get people back to rail transit in a post-pandemic world. Student tickets are only $49 each. Visit smartrail2021.ca to learn more. The second annual Smart Rail Technology Conference, November 30th, online. A message from the War Amps. When you use a War Amps key tag, you protect your keys. If you lose your keys, the finder can call the number on the back of the tag. Or drop them in any mailbox. And the War Amps will return your keys to you. For free. Order your key tags today at waramps.ca. And make a difference in the lives of amputees, like me. Thank you. Forecast from Environment Canada. Periods of snow ending late this afternoon, then cloudy. Wind from the northwest at 30, gusting to 50 at a high of zero. Partly cloudy tonight, clearing overnight. Gusting northwest winds becoming light after midnight. A low of minus 8 with a wind chill to minus 13. Tuesday is sunny, wind up to 15K at a high of minus 2. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, hello. We're back with After 9, and we're speaking with Conservation North. Well, you know, we've got the future ahead of us, and we have the past behind us that we can learn from. So look to the future through the lens of the lessons we've learned from the past. And Conservation North is a volunteer organization that's helping us look through that lens with a very, very finite, well-educated eye. And I am so happy you guys do what you do. I tell you, Jen, thank you so much. Well, thanks for saying that. It's very kind. Hey, no worries, no worries. I mean, you guys are hard working, and I hope that everybody gets a chance to get on there and look at this Conservation North. And as I say, nobody's trying to take anybody's job away. We're trying to evolve, because that's what we need, folks, is evolution. Evolution, evolution, evolution. And... uh that's where we're going, and we got a problem with big money controlling 
all of us in, in, a, in strange ways, whether it be through our forests, through our health, through whatever. And we need to look at things in a different way, how to get things done. So with that said, um, so we got these big timber companies. Let me just name them out here for you. We got Canadian Forest Project Products, West Fraser Timber, International Forest Products, Tolco Industries, Western Forest Products, and Timber West. Are these about the main biggies or what? Yeah, that sounds about right. And um, the, these are the people, these are the corporations that have, um, you know, the legal obligation to log so much a year from their tenure. That's the annual allowable cut. They're legally required to log that on certain rotations. And, um, and they're legally required to make profits for their shareholders. That's right. And who do we have that's actually watching these guys, keeping an eye on them and making sure they're not overlogging or taking a little bit of tree off of somebody else's land? Or who, who are the people that are supposed to be doing this? So I'm not totally knowledgeable about how the like government regulates and observes their logging practices, but I feel relatively confident saying that they are following the laws that BC puts out, right? So that's why a lot of our um, our actions are focused on getting the rules for how logging happens changed in BC, right? Because the companies aren't doing anything illegal. They are doing what's expected of them under FERPA, the Forest Range and Practices Act. Yes, that's that's correct, and and I I do understand that, and that's why I am consistently saying we need to change this through government legislation, through acts, um, wording that actually protects us, and and when I say protects us, I mean protects us from the uh, thing that they call free trade, which really isn't free trade, um, or an open market where uh, free enterprise is allowed. There's no such thing. Yeah, so we, you know, if we protect communities and we protect biodiversity and we transition jobs, it'll be, we'll have a much better society. So we can do all of these things together and um Halting logging in primary forests is, a, you know, the first step. Absolutely, because, folks, this is our air and water. These are, you know, um, look at us, look at the Amazon. We're not really too much different. We are fortunate that we have more of a voice to protect our forests, and it is starting to be heard, which is, is very, very essential. And people are starting to understand. There's a... a studies that are going on that trees aren't even sequestering carbon anymore because there's so much pollution in the air that trees are no longer able to uptake our carbon that we're putting out. Is that, uh, is that correct? Oh, I'm, I'm not much of a carbon expert. What I do know about carbon is that uh, forests are the best place to store carbon. And um, so if we're worried about the climate, again, protecting, clim- protecting primary forests is the first place to start because they're designed for storing carbon. And, um, and so for climate change, it's also a really good first step. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the cooling and keeping of our tree species, the cooling of the earth by keeping our tree species is important as well, correct? Pardon me, can you say that again? The um, 
keeping the amount of tree species that we have going to cool the earth is, is a huge issue as, as we are well cooled by trees. Yeah, so tree forests provide, um, you know, they mitigate the climate, and um, so a forest is always going to be cooler than a clear cut. That's right, that's right. So what else has been going on with you guys? What little projects do you have going on? Any any um, gatherings for people to come and help support you other than just through your website and, and trying to get what you can out on the, the news and such? We don't have any current plans for um, like a, rec- a future gathering in the near future, but we always have actions going on on our website. So we have a take action letter, and um, we spend a lot of time at the, in the summer at the farmer's market, which is always a great place to come and meet us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on. Um, I think the farmer's market's still actually happening. I, I noticed I, I saw something on Facebook, maybe not to the extent that it was, but that's that's very cool. And you guys are associated with UNBC as well, are you not? Not directly, but we um, have some members of Conservation North who um, you know do research with um, some of the scientists. So Michelle Connolly, um was part of the recent paper that Dominic DeSala published that uh, says that we only have, uh, sorry, part of as few as nine years to protect the inland rainforest from a biodiversity collapse. So we do, like, you know, have research collaborations and stuff like that. Right on. And Mike Morris follows that up, too, as well, with the hunters and trappers. And anybody who um, would like to find out more about that, there's a few sports stores and stuff in town, and um, they would be more than willing to communicate about this. It's it's a huge issue. There, there's been some really horrible, horrible things happening within our forest industry that need to be um, dealt with that aren't uh, being dealt with properly. Um well, trappers are great advocates for conservation because they a they're on the land, so they see what's happening, and b they um, dep- their whole uh, livelihoods depend on very old trees that are rotting because that's where the animals like Fisher and Pine Martin uh, nest in. That's right, and that's just two little species. Now, I, I keep going back to stop the spray when we're talking about conservation north, but I just can't get over this glyphosate thing. It, it just drives me to no end that they're poisoning our trees, our animals, and destroying their their habitats on a daily basis. For me, it's all about the animals and, and the water, and, and uh, I hope everyone else tends to think that way as well and uh, as well as jobs and livelihoods for all of us and Jen I would like to thank you so much for coming on today it's been amazing and as always Conservation North keep up the uh, keep up the good work and what's what's your um, contact info for Conservation North if you could yeah you can go to our website at conservationnorth.org and our email is the same, info at conservationnorth.org. And then we are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. 
Excellent. And there are beautiful, beautiful websites and information on there. So everybody, it's very easy, very informative. And as I say, Google Earth it so you can check out everything that we talk about here very uh, easily in the comfort of your own home. You can scan over and see the huge blocks of forests and uh, understand the d- issues that we really, really need to deal with. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Jen Matthews. We totally appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Hey, no worries. Keep up the good work and thank you much. We'll be back with more After 9. Prince George City Council has approved a strategy to cover maintenance costs for an important sanitary sewer lagoon that only accepts truck waste. The proposed amendment to the Comprehensive Fees and Charges bylaw would implement a user's fee for each cubic meter of sewer waste deposited in the Shelley Lagoon starting in January. To reduce the financial impact, the city will phase in the fees over the next seven years. The draft bylaw amendment will be brought for final reading and adoption at an upcoming council meeting. Studio 2880 is once again offering youth day camps on non-instructional days off from school. Sign up for your child to get creative and learn how to make incredible art. The next camp is Friday, November 26th from 9 to noon featuring weaving wall art. Use paper, fabric, and ink to create design and textures in a few fun projects and learn basic knots and weaving techniques. That's the next youth day camp, Friday, November 26th. Registration is available through Studio 2880. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their series of online webinars. Everyone is encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. While there, you can also register for their free webinars or watch previous presentations. The next webinar is on preparing for the holidays, Wednesday from 2 to 3. The Alzheimer's Society of BC, bringing you support and information for dementia at alzbc.org. The Northern BC Tourism and Film Office is happy to announce three one-time tuition-free motion picture training programs funded by the province of BC and the federal government. The courses are motion picture lighting, motion picture grip, and motion picture set construction with online sessions from December 13th to February 4th and in-person hands-on training in Prince George February 15th to 25th. Registration and full details are available in the Trades and Technical section through the program's link at nic.bc.ca. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hey, hey, hello, it's Echo and Phyllis and Alan, and we're back with the Monday morning wake-up call. Good morning, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed our discussions with uh, Jen uh, Matthews from Conservation North. Very important stuff, not only to maintain jobs, but to actually take a step back and look at what we're doing. So anybody who's interested in writing letters to the Ministry of Forests and stating, hey, hold up there, big rig, please do. Uh, there are other ways. We can get it done other ways uh, that would benefit the province, ourselves, and our environment a lot better. Yeah. That's for sure. You know, like we we need to start getting the numbers together because that's the only way anyone is going to hear the concerns that people have. We have to have the numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one person by themselves cannot be heard. But no. if we had a hundred, a thousand, I'm sure people would sit up and, and take a look at what we're discussing. Absolutely. And I would hope that it's 
not only us, environmental-oriented people, but the loggers themselves and the people who work within the industry, the professional foresters, the drivers, the uh, operators, to see that their industry, they themselves should be demanding rather than just diving in for corporate benefit, full throttle, rip and tear. Uh, it, it would do anybody who's in the logging industry justice to look at their own jobs to read the conservation north i i i put an appeal out to all of you to look into this We're, we get so uh you know when we get our jobs my aunt and uncle and everybody in my family always always used to say you never mess with a person's livelihood and and that's the truth right i mean you cannot go around giving people ideas that you're threatening them when really you're not you're you're looking out for them but you don't always see that and not only that with the big business saying that the, you know mills are going to shut down come on let's look around prince george how many mills have already shut down yeah i mean it's you it's know? just ridiculous it's not like we haven't been living this nightmare for the last how many years uh and it's been a downhill Slope. slope for slide for the industry and for the environment and everybody and and nobody's making out except like Jen said the people that are sending our profits from logging that they throw on a boat to China right off the truck <laughs> you know and then they whine that they have no ability to keep the mills open when they could retool them and 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 cut you know mill other trees there are other trees to be milled other than pine and spruce. It, 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 I don't understand. And and that's just it. You know, um, many years back with um, the development of these big companies, the, they started getting rid of all the little guys mm -hmm, that were on mm -hmm. the grounds. No more millionaires. By, no more by replacing them with machines that could do two or three of their jobs. Mm -hmm, right? If not five. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then now, same with the mills that we have. You know, uh, machines are running the mills, and we need fewer and fewer people in the mills. But... You know, we need to give them some sort of job, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, There's a lot of new industries coming out. I mean, we can't be naysayers. We've got, uh, you know, solar industry, wind farms. We've got electric vehicles. We we have so many things that are capable. And you know what? I just, you know, here's a little bit off topic, but it, this is nerve-wracking in itself. Is There's other countries like New Delhi is right now con contemplating shutting industry down for two weeks. Because their air quality is so bad in New Delhi yes. that they are unable to maintain. People are sick and dying, dropping dead on the road uh, due to the amount of air pollution that they have due to industry and vehicles. So, you know, this is everywhere. This is a worldwide issue of air and quality and our oceans and our trees aren't sequestering the carbon monoxide anymore or so what are we going to do? We have to make decisions to, to do something. Of course, my go-to is always we should be dealing with more of the hemp industry because, in fact, you can create fuel. It does three times the oxygenation of a normal tree. It is reusable. Re, uh, it, it just would never end. It gives fiber. It gives wood. It gives paper. It would be a, an option for our forest industries and companies to uh, look at, to reforest with, rather than 
you know, in in certain sections, it would be good. And it makes people happy. Yeah. Oh, can I just point out one thing before we start getting all kinds of calls from scientists? <laughs> What's Trees that? do not sequester carbon monoxide. Carbon dioxide. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm if sorry. If we start breathing out carbon monoxide, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I get my uh, my yeah. words sometimes. I'm trying to bring it all out here, but I get, yeah. get a, it's once in a while things a little bit yeah. bass backwards. So what do you do? It's uh, the, I got another interesting saying here for you, and the thing I love about Conservation North is they're bringing us the facts, right? And what the logging companies are bringing us is not. So what we got here is that facts don't have alternatives. The alternative to fact is fiction. And that's what all of this marketing and all of this corporate strategizing is. It's it's just not truth within the numbers of how we're how we're doing everything out there. That's right. You know? No. And Alan, it's great that you sit here and listen to us and, and make make yeah. me no. stand in line there or line up there properly. No, this was something I mentioned to you before the show started that I just wanted to make a note of mm-hmm. because it's a big change. I think people need to know about. Oh yes, it has to do with uh, COVID vaccinations. Yes. Oh yes. CN Center, or I keep saying CN Center, Civic. the Civic Center is no longer providing the COVID vaccinations. They have closed down there. I think their last day was Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yep. This week, starting Wednesday through Saturday, I believe it's at CNC. I will double check on that and get that for sure on tomorrow's after nine. Um, starting November 24th, so a week from Wednesday, it's actually going to make the House of Ancestors. Yes, yes. Good location, I think. Well, the thing is, too, is that I had to get an appointment, right? So mine is on the 25th, and they said the House of Ancestors. And you kind of went blink, blink? (laughs) Yeah, like, hmm. But the phone call before, there was no placement, because there was no appointment time, so I had to phone back. But the one thing about the House of Ancestors, the woman phoned me back to ask me is if I was of Native descent. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Well, you know, I uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here. Uh, keeping on trying to do the good environmental fight here all the time. I hope you all are too. And as I said, check out the Google Earth to see the real extent of what's going on. It's as easy as that. Uh, there's a lot of environmentally passionate people out there. There's a lot of passionate people who want to keep their jobs. And there's a lot of passionate people who would like to develop jobs and continue with our resource industry. So take easy out there, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now from Phyllis, Echo, and Alan. Bye. After 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Echo Wiley, Trudy Klassen, and Res Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair, with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email CFIS. CFISFM at yahoo.ca. You're tuned to 93.1 CFISFM, Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the Prince George Council of Seniors.